is, uh, I'm continuing with the Multiply series. This is message number six. Okay, you can download the other messages for free on shofarsermons.org forward slash East London. Just select East London and you can, you can download it. I really want to encourage you, if you miss a message, download it, listen to it. It's really good. I even listen to my own messages every now and again just to, you know, I preach and then I forget it. By Tuesday, I forget it. So uh, it's good to just strengthen, strengthen those truths. And uh, Stephen Montgomery preached last week, was excellent, was really, really good. I listened to his message in the week, it was brilliant. Okay, so multiply. A few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, I preached about spiritual barrenness, how to break out of spiritual barrenness. And I shared with you guys that there's the thorns, you've got the good soil, and then you've got thorns, and the thorns keeps the word of God from bearing fruit in our lives. So the seed, the word of God that falls on the good soil will be multiplied 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Okay? Multiplication. Say multiplication. Okay? So the result of the word of God is that the phone will ring. What about silent or vibrate? If... Silent isn't sufficient. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so, so multiplication, if, the, if the, the word of God is powerful, say so if the word of God is planted in good soil in our hearts, it will multiply. We will multiply ourselves into others. We will have an impact on other people's lives. Have you multiplied yourself lately? <laughs> Spiritually speaking. Have you multiplied yourself? Because we need to ask ourselves, are we investing in other people and in the word of God in our hearts? Is it fertile soil? You know, so I want to speak about this tonight, but in a different angle. So breaking spiritual barrenness, we need to deal with the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. But then there's another component, and this is tonight's message, it's about not wasting your life. Anybody here that wants to waste their life? You want to come to the end of your life? you lying in, on your dead bed, death, dead bed, death bed, and you're about to breathe your last, and your family is around you. Let's say you are uh, in your 80s, and you've got all the generations following you all around that bed, and you're about to go. What will go through your head? Have you wasted your life? Have you, have you lived a long life, but you've wasted your days, wasted your years? So this is what I'm going to speak about. How not to waste your life. About three main things. About how not to waste your life. So... I want to, I wanna, um, before I read, a few weeks ago I read this parable about what Jesus was sharing. Now a parable gives us an idea of what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's a story that Jesus would share because we battle to understand heaven. We battle to understand the kingdom of God. So Jesus would share stories, parables about things that we can relate to, but to apply it to the kingdom of God. So we can get a feel of what the kingdom of God is like and what the king is like. King Jesus. 
So I just want to read this, this scripture. I think it's Luke 13. Just want to quickly read this again. I read it three weeks ago. It says that he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. A certain man, that is King Jesus. Say King Jesus. Okay, so there's a certain man. He's the owner of the vineyard. That vineyard is his church. And there's a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Who's the fig tree? That's you, that's me. We the fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. So King Jesus, the owner of the vineyard in whose, on whose farm we are planted, on whose property we are using up soil and water and everything else. We planted in his vineyard and he comes and he's looking for fruit. So he comes to every Christian. I'm speaking to Christians tonight. He comes to every Christian and he comes and checks. Hey, how's your fruit? I'm looking for fruit. I'm looking for some good fruit. But in this case, he said, I found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Pastor Andre. I'm the keeper. And we have a few other keepers here as well. Look, for three years, I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. For three years, I've come looking. So God, King Jesus speaking to me. And he says, cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around and fertilize it. Lord Jesus, I'm going to preach my heart out this term. I'm going to preach my heart out. I'm going to really, I'm going to fertilize this. <laughs> I'm going to fertilize the soil with all my heart. So give me a little bit of time, Lord. Give me a little bit of time. I know, I know that one's losing their way. I know that one's losing their way. I know their hearts are growing cold, God. But give me an opportunity to fertilize it so that that heart can catch fire again. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. And I don't think it's necessarily God that comes and cuts it down. I think you just lose your way. You lose your way. So, I was thinking about just our, our journey. You know, I was, um, I studied engineering. I did my master's degree in engineering, and while I was doing that, I was in the student council of the University of Stellenbosch. So for two years, I was in the student council, and the second year, I got elected onto the senior council. Only two or three students sits on a group of like 40-plus people. They, they are business people, some of the richest men in the country, like Gigi Ferrero is like the founder of Rand Merchant Bank, guys like Christo Visa and other guys that are like top five, top ten richest guys in the country. Sonica was an auditor for one of the biggest, wealthiest companies in the country as well. She was the, you know, we, we were rubbing shoulders with important people, you know. And I was doing my master's and going through everything, and I became a Christian in my first year. And the first four years of my walk with God, I was doing church. I was doing Jesus more than studies. I was just scraping it through, 50.0, thank you Jesus, just scraping through. But in my fifth and sixth years doing my master's degree, I got onto the student council, and then I wasn't involved in church anymore. I still went to church, but I wasn't involved anymore. I wasn't pouring myself out. 
and serving in different areas. <clears throat> and I was doing these so-called important things. But I lost the fire. I lost the fire. I would, you, if you would look at my life at that time, and me and Sonica, and chartered accountant, and me with, you know, it, it looked good. You know, it was like, you guys are set to do great things, and be successful, make a lot of money, etc., etc. But I was miserable. I was miserable. And I was asking myself that those two years were probably some of the, the most barren two years of my walk after becoming a Christian. Those two years in the student council, and I, 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 I experienced a whole bunch of things, and, and I, but I was miserable. And something, something happened on the inside of me. Something clicked at the end of those two years. I realized money will never satisfy me. And I don't know if this news for you, but money won't satisfy you either. Position and power will not satisfy us. It's just like a mirage in the desert that you run for and you get there and you're just eating sand. It wasn't real. It's fake. It's false. But this world is continuously assaulting us with marketing. You need the latest this. You need the latest that. If you have this, then, you know, then you're going to be happy. And so we're being bombarded with all these things continuously to get our hearts and our minds to turn away from God. And so I came to that point in my life where I realized, God, I was asking, when was I really happy? When was I really fulfilled? And my answer was when I was wholly fulfilled, involved in church life, investing myself into people's lives. That's when I was happy. And then I got involved again in church, and then the opportunity came to start in the ministry, and the rest is history. But I believe you can... Only truly know fruitfulness connected to the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. That's what he's doing. Jesus is building his church. That's what he's doing. Everything that God is going to do on the face of this earth will come through his church. Or at least 90% of everything. It will come through his church. It will be believers planted in church, not wasting their lives, not being barren, bearing much fruit that will go out from the church to change this world. South Africa's answer is the church, but a fruit-bearing church where every one of us are bearing fruit, not just come and listen to the pastor, where every one of us find the will of God for our lives. And we live that out. And it's not necessarily something far and wide and weird. It's literally just becoming fruitful. Becoming fruitful from the church, moving out, changing, seeing lives changed. So I want to encourage you tonight that if you don't want to waste your life. My thing's giving me issues here. If you don't want to waste your life, get planted in church. Get connected to church. Get connected to other people that are following Jesus with all their hearts and get involved somewhere. So, so that's sort of our journey or, or, or my shift to becoming really fruitful, really, truly fruitful for the sake of others. So I was, I was sharing that, that, that parable about the, the fig tree. You are that fig tree. And the, the reason for your existence is to bear fruit. 
That's the reason for your existence. Otherwise, go to heaven. Move on. What the heck are you doing here? Wasting the soil. <laughs> Bear fruit. That's what Jesus is saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, come on, just enjoy the chair. Love you. I'm the good cop. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, wasting the soil. You're wasting your life. So I want to I take you to another parable. So that we can get a feel. And I know it's sometimes foreign to understand the kingdom of God. That's why these parables. So three things. Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. It's the parable about the talents. The one guy got five talents. The other guy got two talents. The other one got one talent. The one talent guy hid it. The five and two talent guys, they multiplied. They doubled their talents. And they were greatly blessed because of it. So let's look at this. In the light of how not to waste your life. Amen. Are you with me? Okay. Matthew twenty-five, fourteen. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So who is that man? He is like a man traveling to a far country. That's King Jesus. The king who called his own servants, these three guys, and delivered his goods to them. And I know we, you know, we, we focus often on, on, you know, you're a child of God, you're a son, you're a daughter of God, and yes, God loves you, and you have an intimate relationship with him, and Jesus is like your friend, yes, absolutely. But I want to look at the other flip side of the coin. Jesus is not only our friend. He's our king. This is so important. If you don't get this, you will waste your life. I promise you. Because it changes the game. It shifts the environment. So, King Jesus. King Jesus. You see, we live in a dem democracy. We, every man for himself. If we don't like it, we revolt. We throw stones. We tell you we don't like you. In a kingdom... It's different. If the king gets angry, he cuts off your head. Cheers. <laughs> I mean, look in the Bible. They did a few times. David was the one guy. David, King David was, was uh, leaving Jerusalem. There was another guy that came and he was blaspheming, cursing him and throwing rocks at him. And David was like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. But all the guys around him were saying, why didn't you kill him? You know, I think in the end he did get killed. But anyway, but a king and a kingdom. What is a kingdom? A kingdom is, is the king's area where he reigns, his kingdom, the king's domain. And in the king's domain, his will be done. So if you're the fig tree planted in his vineyard, then his will be done. And so I remember a dream I had just before we went to Brazil, middle of this year. Weird dream. You know, one of those dreams where it starts off and you're thinking, this is going to go scary. Real scary. You know, you know those dreams? It's like, yeah, it's still okay, but someone's going to jump out from a bush or something. You know, something's going to happen. So I'm having this dream. In this dream, there's like these, you know, a group of like a gang, like mafia guys. We're outside. It's dark. There's like this, these bins with fire in. 
we're standing, me and another guy, we're talking to the leader of the gang. And I'm like, ooh, this thing's going to go weird. So we're talking to this guy, and, and we're almost like negotiating. That's sort of the feel I'm getting in this dream. And at some point, it's like negotiations on our over. The guy gets up and is, is begins to walk away, and I know now he's going to do something bad. He's going to do something bad. In the dream, the next moment, I grab his wrist. Give me your wrist. So I'm grabbing his wrist in the dream, and then I start shouting, Kingdom come! Kingdom come! Kingdom come! And as I'm releasing kingdom come, this guy, the, the, the evil, the darkness on this guy disappears. And he falls to his knees, he turns into a woman, and he repents before God of his sin. And I was like, that's a powerful dream. <laughs> no one jumped out behind any bush. I were kingdom come them before they could. But it's so powerful, and we have experienced this over these next past six months, moments where we would pray for people, where there would be darkness on their souls, darkness on their lives, and we release the kingdom of God, and transformation would happen. Even just the last encounter four. Just amazing to see the radical transformation in some people's lives. They look different. Everybody's like, what happened to this guy? Kingdom come. <laughs> kingdom come. So, so the kingdom of God is an internal kingdom, but Jesus wants to establish his reign in our lives. Kingdom reign, kingdom reign, kingdom reign. So this is who our king is. He wants to establish his heart, his passion, his righteousness, his holiness, his purity upon the throne of our hearts when he is enthroned. Okay, so now just go back to the previous verse. So, the kingdom of heavens, like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants. So, yes, we are children of God, but we are also servants. Let's say it I'm a servant of the king, of the king of kings. This is so profound. You see, so we, we, when we think of a servant, we're thinking, like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to do my own thing. But it's so powerful. When you and I give our lives to Jesus, when we surrender our lives to Christ, we become servants. And the power of servanthood is that you surrender. It's freedom. Being a servant is freedom because you just focus on what the Lord puts before you. But you leave the big things to Him. God, you need to provide. Lord, you need to protect. God, you need to help my marriage. God, you need to... All these things. He takes care of the big things, but I can surrender. It's freedom. I'm just going to do what you tell me to do, God. The implications is in your hands. No, I'm not going to worry about next year or 10 years from now. I'm just going to do what you call me to do now. Servant, to be a servant is freedom. It's freedom. It's surrender. It's not negative. It is positive. It's wonderful. And I think the greatest trap of our modern, Western, comfortable society is that we change the gospel. It changes the gospel where we subtly begin to think that God is our servant and we are not his servants. This is huge. 
Just let that sink in for a moment. The subtle deception where we think that God is our servant to do our bidding, to make us happy, to, to beckon call, you know, little genie. Come, Jesus, you better come through for me now or else I'm offended and I'm going to leave the church and this thing doesn't work. So self gets enthroned where self becomes God and we worship self. This is huge. And we all tend to fall back into that. It's about my, me, myself. But there's no freedom there. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. And all these other things will be added. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness to be in a right standing with God. And all these other things will be added. But if we get it the wrong way around, we lose our way. So then it says there, and he delivered his goods to them. His goods. His goods. Say his goods. So the king comes, calls his servants, giving his goods to them. What does it mean? That means everything you have comes from God and it belongs to God. It's his goods. It's his, your time, your resources, your skills, your skill set, everything about you. It's a gift from God for stewardship for a season until accountability comes. We will need to give an account. But you know, if we live as if it's my time, as we live as if my resources, live as if this is my life, you know, it's like Jesus is coming to to us, to every Christian, every believer, asking this question like, okay, so help me understand this. So when you surrendered your life to me originally, I mean, when when, when I saved you, did, did you give me your whole life? Did you surrender your life to me? And yes, Lord. So, so, so you, I mean, you sang that song. You say it, you prayed it. You said, Lord, I give you my life. But now help me understand this. So why do you live as if it's all about you? I, I thought you gave your life to me. I thought you surrendered your life to me. Self. It's either King Jesus or it's self. So let's break out of the self and choose to follow the Lord. Okay, so the first thing, if you want to not waste your life, you need to realize this is not your life. This everything you have comes from him. There is a king who owns everything. If you don't want to waste your life. If you want to waste your life, do your own thing then no king. Then secondly, verse 15 to 19, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. So Jesus came and he gave five talents to the one guy, two talents to the other one. It's like literally money. Talent talent is money. I'm, I'm applying it in a wider context. I believe the parable is relevant for a wider context. So one guy, two, and the other one, one. And immediately went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with him and made another five talents. So he got five and he made five more. 
And likewise, he would receive two, gain two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So the one who got one went and hid it. He hid it away. So I'm reading this and I'm thinking... Because sometimes what happens, we, 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 we compare ourselves to others. We think, ah, oh, that guy got five. I just got one. Measly little one. Not so good at preaching or teaching or singing or dancing or, man, I don't have much. But I was thinking, what if the guy with the five talents also started with one? But he, found, he was found faithful. And he made two and he was found faithful again. And then he qualified for five. I believe most people begin with one, not much, but they use it, apply it faithfully. Okay, faithful application of what God has given to you. So what has God placed in your hands? Time, resources, what skills has he given to you? What capacity has he given to you? And what are you doing with it? Because that will determine, in terms of what are you doing with that for the sake of the kingdom, because that will determine if you're wasting your life or not. You can be busy for 50 years, 60, 80 years, busy, 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 but that doesn't add to kingdom extension. So the result is you wasted your life. You wasted your life. Jesus is interested in his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom, priorities. So let's look at a few areas. Leadership gift. So a leadership gift, the purpose of it would be to equip and develop others, to shepherd others like the small group leaders intern. So you, you, you start off somewhere and you want to now equip others, you want to invest in others, you, you want to develop others. Leadership gift, implemented, applied for the kingdom of God. You know, when I was in high school, I wasn't a leader. I was a mess. I was a mess. My parents were both very gifted and are very gifted people, leaders, etc. But my life took a, 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 the wrong turn when my parents divorced and I lost my way. But after becoming a Christian, if I looked at my past, I was, I'm not a leader. But I'm just so passionate about Jesus. So I'm just going to start doing stuff. I just started doing stuff everywhere. I was in the furnace, another furnace, another furnace, developing my leadership gift. But I was applying it and it grew and it grew and it grew. So maybe I'm a two-talent. I started with a one-talent, now I'm a two-talent leader. But I was faithful and I want to grow more. I want to I come to a place where God can say, I can trust you. So what about musical talent? You know, it's to lead God's people into his presence. Developing your skill, practicing, taking classes. Are you developing the skills the Lord has given to you? You know, I want to honor Clinton. The brother started probably like a few years ago, I would say, you know, some of his, you know, he doesn't have the background in terms of music and the theory like, like many other people would have, but he had the heart. I want to worship Jesus. So I would say he started with the one talent, but he's been faithful. He probably practices more than anybody else in all of our worship teams. The brother is not a one talent guy anymore. He's glopping five talents here. You are. When this man leads worship, things happen. But he's been faithful. He's been faithful. He's been seeking the face of God. He pursues the Lord and he practices and he practices and he practices. 
Mr. Jeremy Riddle II. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some, someday they will say, no, the Clinton de Kock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Jeremy Riddle. Jeremy Riddle would wish he was like you. Huh? Amen. But developing your skills, not wasting what God has placed in your hand. So many people say, I can't, I don't have it, I don't have enough. I'm like, oh, I'm not a leader. and I'm... It's just rubbish. It's just a lie in your head. Honestly. You know, most, they, they, they say like, um, you know, even if you've been, like, your body's been physically damaged, you know, you've lost your muscle function around most of your leg. If you just train that one muscle, you can get a lot back. In the end, you know, it's the same. You can, in your, in your head thing, I've got so, so little. You can do so much. Leaders are not born. They developed through faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. So thirdly, parenting skills to raise up godly offspring. You know, there are a lot of parents here, but equipping yourself, reading, studying, etc. What about, you know, your, you know, your financial means? To extend God's kingdom. You know, if you can't give faithfully today your hundred rand, you're not going to give the million when it comes to you. I promise you. The stats show it. The richer people get, the less they give percentage-wise. So develop, develop, start now. Then what about your time? What about your priorities? You know, I was like, you know, if, if I want to make this point. If you don't want to waste your life, stop making excuses. Just stop it. Stop telling yourself your life is so bad. Stop telling yourself, well, you know, if only this or only that. Stop making excuses. If the Lord commands us to do something, like seek first the kingdom, then He gives us the capacity to do it. He gives us the grace, the ability, the supernatural power to do it. You know, just an example, when Sonic and I we were studying, you know, um, we made a decision that Sundays is Jesus' day. Sundays is Jesus' day. We will go to church, we'll get involved. Sonic was like in the worship t- team three times on a Sunday. Three services from the morning until 10 o'clock at night. You know, so for the worship people that complain about one service, you know, get over it. Wait until revival breaks out, we're going to hit seven services. <laughs> You know, but, but we made this decision that Sundays, we're not going to compromise. And I was, previously as I was, you know, with a student studying engineering, I would, I would study seven days a week. I'll be so busy, not get rested, you know, etc. And I'm like, no, I can't do this anymore. It's like my wheels come undone. So I decided on Sundays, in the middle of my final year exams, I don't study. Sonica was saying, I think I learned it from her. We don't study. So we would Study in the middle of our final exams, guys, for those who haven't done it, it's quite hectic. Final year exams, Saturday night, I'd study until 12, and then holiday. One day holiday until around 9 o'clock the next evening after the evening service, then I start studying again. And the Lord blessed us. Our priorities were, I didn't fail one subject, it's not because I'm not, I'm so smart, but grace from heaven. But the Lord wants us to get our priorities right. And if we're parents, we need to communicate priorities to our children. 
You know, Vian knows we go to church on Sundays. When we drive in a car and he's looking at the people before we go to service, he's like, why are those people not going to church? It's like, it's, it's wrong, it's wrong. Let's go to church. Yeah, you need to go to church if you don't want to waste your life. If you don't want to waste your life, if you don't want to waste your life, get to church and get involved in church life. Do something. Do something. Invest yourself. I have so much respect for people in our church who are busy, who have pressures, who have challenges on every level, but they make no excuses. They get there. They stay involved. They keep on serving. It is amazing. You bless the heart of Jesus. I promise you. Well done. Well done to each and every one of you. So my question is, are you growing the, the skill set that the Lord has given to you? Are you growing it? It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So stop the excuses. Let's not be soft. Let's get out of our comfortable Western Christianity. Sometimes you need to get up early in the morning and spend time with Jesus. How about every morning? Like Stephen preached last week. Make the time, make the sacrifice, get up in the morning, an hour earlier, and spend time with Jesus. Get onto your knees if you can't stay awake. Put a brick under your knees. If you're really hardcore, that's what I do. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm just talking rubbish. I get a really comfortable chair, then I pray from there. But I'm just, just thinking today, aren't we just so comfortable? And that's, so we make excuses. Oh, I'm a little bit tired. I'm not going to small group tonight. Stop the excuses. If you want to not waste your life, stop the excuses. Stop the excuses. And I'll show you now from the scriptures. Look at this now. Verse 24, I'm going to jump to the one talent guy. But before I read that, I want to I just read this quote. You will overestimate. This is so powerful. You will overestimate what you can do in the short term. So you're going to think, oh, in the next year, I'm going to do this. I often do that. I'm going to do this. But you will almost always underestimate what you can achieve through a lifetime of faithfulness. You will almost always underestimate what you can achieve through a lifetime of faithfulness. Say faithfulness. That means daily. That means every day, that 30 minutes with Jesus. Every day, that 30 minutes or 40 40 minutes or an hour reading the Word of God. Every day, developing that part of my life, of your life. If you keep on going, I'm speaking to myself now, I must just keep going. I must just keep going. I must just keep going. Faithfully, faithfully. You must just keep going. Faithfully, faithfully. No, there's not a lot of fruit yet. No, you haven't had your breakthrough yet. But you're going to be faithful. Because sometimes we give up, we back down, we stop hoping, we stop believing because we haven't seen it yet and it's been six months. For some of us it's been, it's been two days and I haven't had my breakthrough yet. No man, get up, keep going. Give it another year, give it another five years. If you're faithful and you develop your skills, the Lord will bless you. He will, he will, he will, he will promote you. So... One of, the, one of the things that happen is we think that I, this is my little talent, I only have one. And then we give up. If you're faithful with the one, the Lord will give you two. 
Your faith will do two, the Lord will give you five. And you must believe that your little, your one talent is significant. If I impact one person's life, it's significant. Just one. Just one. Just one. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Amen. It's worth preaching our hearts out when, you know, when we started with the church, it was like 12 people some nights, but I preached my heart out, you know. In, in Beacon Bay, it was just like, come on, Lord, I'm preaching, I'm preaching, I'm seeing something, but I'm going to be faithful with a few here before me right now. So with our son, for instance, he, is, he started, he's seven years old, he started piano lessons, and every day he practices. Because he's not allowed to play tablet or watch TV unless he has practiced. So we have a plan by his grade two now. When he hit grade seven... We believe he'll be playing drums in church at least. Okay, so that's the game plan. Do you have a game plan for yourself? Do you have a game plan? Do you have something you're aiming at? Give yourself seven years, five years, but develop it. It's, in, it's incredible how much you can achieve in a few years. Okay, the second, the second bit there. We're going to jump now to the, this, this is bad news. Okay, bad news. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Okay. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, speaking to King Jesus, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. I was afraid. I often speak to people that say, I'm so afraid of failing. I'm so afraid of trying. I'm afraid. It says, I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. You gave me a one talent leadership gift 20 years ago. Jesus, I'm still there. Here you have it back. I was afraid to step out to be a small group intern. I was afraid to lead a group. I was afraid to step out. You know, like with Clinton. He didn't want to lead any songs. He was like, I can't, no, come on, not, no, I can't. And then Sonic says, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. <laughs> Kick again, you're going to do it. And it's huge what God is doing in his life now. But what, what, couldn't the Lord do the same in your life and more? Now listen, listen this is the bad news. I was afraid I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look there what you have, what is yours. Verse 26, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. They will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You wicked and lazy servant. Now, this is not me. Eh? I would never say that to anybody. Jesus is saying this. You wicked and lazy servant. So quick question. Um, so how did his excuse go off? Uh, did, did Jesus go for it? I was afraid, Jesus. Ah, oh, no, then it's okay. You were afraid. What other excuses? Oh, life just got busy. Jesus, do you know my background? I have a really bad background. Yeah, just... Could never break out, you know. Jesus, I just got distracted for 20 years. Life happens. Jesus, 
I just never felt like getting involved in church, you know. I come to church, and then I go home. But, you know, doing something at church, in church, for church, ah, it's not me. Sorry, Jesus. How do you think, how's the excuses going to go down with King Jesus on judgment day? Do you think he's going to take it? You're going to be lenient? According to this parable, no. He's going to say, you wicked and lazy servant. I'm not looking for excuses. I'm looking for fruit. You're soft. Come on. Stop being so soft. Amen. My pep talk. (laughs) We're not going to be soft. We're not going to make excuses. We're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. We're not going to blame our past. We're going to look at what has the Lord placed in my hand. And I'm going to apply it for the kingdom of God. Amen. What has the Lord placed in your hands? What, what ability, what, what grace, what gifts, what time has he given you? And how are you investing it? And what will Jesus say if we had accountability right now? Judgment day right now. What would Jesus say? To every one of us, we need to grab hold of opportunities. How do we do it? No, not by being afraid. We shouldn't be afraid of failure. We should rather be afraid of not doing something with what God has given us. And I think the best way of really taking hold of our opportunities is being thankful. God, thank you. I'm alive. Thank you for what you've given to me. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for this coming day. God, thank you. I'm alive. I can walk, I'm breathing, I can love someone, I can bless someone, thanksgiving. A lady spoke to me this morning, she was suicidal not very long ago, she wanted to kill her and her children. So when she told me that at church, I was like, I want to kill my children, I'm like, whoa, whoa, don't move, I'm getting help. So we got some people to help and we prayed for her and the power of God hit her. And the darkness lifted off her. And she came to speak to me this morning and say how God has turned everything around. Her husband was living far away, etc. And now he's back home. And she realized, she says, the reasons. I, she, she said, you asked me that day when I wanted to kill myself and my children. You asked me, why? Why? And I didn't give you an answer. I'll give you the answer now. I was unthankful. I was unthankful for what I had. I, didn't, I wasn't thankful for what the Lord has placed in my life. But now I'm thankful. With tears running down her face, I'm thankful. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thankful. The Bible says, now, now, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph through Christ. Now, say now. Right now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. Don't fear failure. Just be thankful and follow him. Step out. Follow him and he will lead you in triumph. And then the last bit. Verse 20. This is the good news. Verse 20 to 23. Where multiplication happens and the reward of multiplication So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, isn't that so much better? 
better way. He said, Lord, look at what I did with what you gave me. I gave my best. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Isn't that amazing? You were faithful over a few things, not doing a hundred things. It's being faithful what the Lord has placed before you. Being faithful with a few. And then he will give you more influence. He will make you a ruler. He will bless you. They say the reward for working for Jesus is more work. More influence. More opportunities to do more. And then verse 22. It says there, enter into the joy of your Lord. If you want to bless Jesus, be faithful with what he's placed in your hands. He's looking for fruit. He's looking for fruit. He who also had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Do you see what happened there? Five talents, five more. Two talents, two more. Do you see the reward? What's the difference? Same reward. Same reward. This is profound. You need to get this. Same reward. So often we think, well, I'm just doing my little bit. It's not as amazing as that guy, that lady, what they're doing. Mine is so insignificant. And so the Lord spoke to me about this as well. You know, sometimes we think like the church, the pastor with the 10,000 people. Man, God's going to blaze them pastor with a 50 or the 10 yeah it's insignificant it's not or the ceo of the company that's significant you know but being faithful in my little department do my little bit that's just it's not important or the teacher just having her little class year in and year out not the headmaster if you're faithful Jesus will reward you. It's not about the size of it. If you're faithful in your work to, to promote the heart and the love of Jesus Christ, he will bless you. If you're sweeping the streets, but you're doing it for Jesus, faithfully, you're on time. You're the happiest, most joyful, most thankful street sweeper in the city. You get the same reward as the CEO of the multinational company because you were faithful. Jesus, the kingdom of God is different. What you have in your hand is significant. Let's say it, it's significant. It is. If you don't believe it's significant, you won't be faithful. You won't give your everything. There was a guy, um, I, I read this as a, a, a guy in India. Satish Kumar, Calvary Temple, Hyderabad. The fastest growing church on the planet. He said, in God's view, it's not how successful you are, it's how faithful you are. 1995, he heard the voice of God telling him, I'm going to give you a mega church. 1995. For 10 years, nothing. Nothing. He would preach on the street corners, he would do everything he could, nothing. 2005 started with 20 people. 10 years later, 130,000. 
20,000 seater building, seven services. Massive. That's not success. Faithfulness is success. The, the results are in God's hands, but we can be faithful. So I'm preaching to myself, saying, Andre, just be faithful. Just give it your best every day. You know, next week, Sunday, church is going to happen again. You come down six months from now, we're still going to be here. Five years from now, we're still going to be here. 30 years from now, we're still going to be here in Jesus' name. Still doing the work of God. Faithful. The results are in God's hands. Faithfulness. So here's this quote, well done, my good and faithful. No, not pastor, not bishop, not evangelist, apostle, preacher, missionary, teacher, singer, worship leader, or international super awesomeness, whatever. No, just servant. Well done. Good. My good and faithful servant. It's an honor to serve the king. But if we are afraid, and if we make excuses... We're going to waste our lives. We're going to waste our lives. So we need to know Jesus is king. He's the owner of everything we have. Every minute of our time belongs to him. I need to invest it wisely. We need to stop making excuses and feel sorry for ourselves or for our circumstances and say, I can, I can and will seek first the kingdom of God. And thirdly, I will not be afraid. I'm going to realize there's something in my hands and I'm going to apply it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to step out. I'm going to make the best of it. Yeah, I might fail 10 times, but the 11th time it's going to work. Amen. Amen. So the Lord wants us to get up and go for it in Jesus' name. Multiplication is the result of faithfulness, not fear. Amen.